This is Basic Ball Four. Hello and welcome to the Base Hit Ball Four podcast presented by Caps on Sports. I'm your host, Clinton Negris, alongside Scott Roswald and Alex Cashman and Tyler Blumenstick. Uh, this show started as a radio show on WMCX at Mama's University. And after about a year off doing some adult things, we decided, especially in this quarantine where nobody else is doing anything, to start up a baseball podcast. So we're so excited uh, to get that going. Um, Tyler, he started the Caps on uh, podcast with his sports betting podcast and expanded it into something much more. And Tyler, you want to talk a little bit about that before we get started? Yeah, so um, Base Ball 4 is going to be a kind of a not, a, not a spinoff, but a part of Caps on Sports as a whole. Um, it's going to be our baseball-focused podcast, and we're going to dive into everything baseball-related, basically anything. I mean, anything baseball-related, that's pretty much it. Anything baseball related, and there's no better time to start a baseball podcast than right now because there is no baseball, and I'm being sarcastic. Um, so there is a lot of news for baseball, even though there's no games being played. Opening day was supposed to be a little bit over a month ago, but obviously with the COVID-19, all sports, including baseball, has been postponed until the near future. But there is optimism that a season will get underway, especially this week when Jeff Passan and others have reported a, an idea where there would be teams playing in their home facilities. We saw a couple weeks ago there was a plan where everyone's in Arizona or everybody is in their spring training facility in Arizona or Florida. But this one that's gaining traction right now is everybody plays in their home ballpark and the divisions are going to be realigned. So there's going to be no American League, no National League. There's going to be three divisions, East, West, and Central. And my question to start off the bat is, do you think this is a good idea with talking about what's going on in society right now, the testing, everything that's going on. Do you think this is the best course of action for Major League Baseball to take? I'll start with Cash. Was the incredible lighting behind him. Cash, what do you think about what's going on with the newest proposal to start a baseball season? Well, well, Glenn, I, I thank you. And uh, I do. I, I mean, obviously, I, I love the American League versus National League. That's my thing. Uh, I love the classic AL East rivalries because I hate every team in the AL East other than the Yankees. Um, with that being said, however we can get baseball going, I, I'm okay with. Just get it going. I want to watch some baseball again. I want to bet on some baseball again. Uh, so I'm missing it. I'm itching for, for some gambling, and I'm itching for my Yankees to come back. Yeah, and I really think that is the consensus. Everyone wants sports back. And there was a very interesting interview with Scott Boris on the Michael K show on the Yes Network in 98.7 in New York, uh, talking about what's what's the opportunity that baseball has this season? Right? It's not going to be a normal season. It's not going to be 162. Um, very likely there's going to be no fans in the stadiums for the entirety of the season, whenever it does start, but baseball has an advantage over a sports like hockey and basketball where their season's already three quarters of the way done. And they really are on the precipice of being able to have to make the tough decision to cancel their season. So we have a situation when baseball starts again, let's say they start in July they're the only sport in town. They're going to be the only method of entertainment for people to watch. And Scott, that's a really big opportunity for baseball to really uh, galvanize the country and bring in some new fans that they've been lacking over the last decade and a half. Yeah, of course. I mean, you always, you always talk about and hear about how baseball, you know, isn't the most popular sport anymore with people um, just because the games are too long. But I think if we get to a point, you know, where it is the only thing on television, people aren't going to care. They're just going to care that they can watch a live sporting event, consume something 
you know, have something to bet on for those people that are, you know, big into the sports uh, gambling scene. Um, something to talk about on social media, which would be huge. I know I was supposed to be at the Phillies Rockies game tonight, um, taking in a game, um, you know, missed out. We had, you know, some season tickets for the Phillies this year, um, you know, missing out on games, which is tough. It's unfortunate. Um, but, you know, I totally agree with cash, you know, just to get baseball back in any capacity will be important to just society in general, because, you know, sports is so big for us these days. And Tyler, um, obviously you're big on sports betting baseball with everything. As we said, it's going to be the only sport in town when it does start, if it does start, it's a big opportunity for them as Scott was talking about to drive in a lot of money because there's a lot of people going to be at home, nothing to do. And especially with sports betting, the legalization of it in New Jersey and trying to get it throughout the country, it's a big opportunity for gambling in the sport of baseball. Yeah, exactly. And so on the Michael K show today, Scott Boris got on and basically gave a whole rundown of kind of the, the plan because he's intertwined with every single one of these players um, as their agent and, and just as a prominent baseball figure in general. And I believe Don LaGreca asked him kind of about the economics and like how that is going to work out like from the business aspect of it. And he said, he's like, you saw with the NFL draft that viewership was at an all-time high, broke records, um, pretty much all of that. And baseball is going to be much of the same. It's to the point where people are getting sick of watching the same reruns over and over and over and over again, to the point where there's, people just want that new, fresh game. They want action. They want victory. They want something to happen. They just want something new to talk about and, and watching these old games is just not going to get it done. So in that aspect, I think that it's going to be good. And, and it's, it's going to, like the viewership is going to be there. Like, even if you're a baseball fan or not, like sports fan in general, I think this is going to draw. Yeah, it will draw because we saw the few sports things we've had in the last couple of weeks, the last dance on ESPN is getting huge ratings. And this is a documentary that's talking about things that happened 21 years ago. And the NFL draft, which is not a live sport per se, also did a big number on ESPN. So I'm going to open the forum here. The country is salvanizing uh, for something to watch. And baseball is going to do that. And we had this big debate a couple of days ago in our group chat about the popularity of baseball, where they need to get more people. They're doing a lot of things that are, that are better. They're being proactive with the, with the MLB, the show, Players League. That's been going on the last few weeks. So open forum now. Anyone who wants to jump in, go ahead. What's the number one thing that baseball needs to do with this opportunity, with this, I guess, test season where they can do a little bit different than what they've done in the past? What do you think the number one thing they need to do to get more attention? I'm going to start with this because um, like you guys are saying, like we're all saying, like everyone in the country saying that they want live sports. Live sports is a must-have at this point in time. Um, especially with everyone being at home for the last six weeks, staring at their ceilings. Um, I think that MLB has a very unique opportunity to finally open up its eyes a little bit to 2020. Um, there's a very unique opportunity to do things on television that they haven't done before. Make watching a game a little more fun than it was. Um, it's going to be a great opportunity for broadcasters to get involved, more broadcasters, I should say. Um, because it's only going to be watching TV. Uh, so there's no, no on-field hosts, no this, uh, no hosts on the field during the game, after the game, before the game, whatever. 
they need to do something to spruce this up a little bit and uh, make it as 2020 as possible. I mean, it, like you mentioned, the NFL draft was great. And to be honest with you, I would not be surprised if they do this every year going forward because it had such great viewership. And the reviews were great. I think Roger Goodell did a great job at home in his pajamas. I thought that was funny. And I think that Rob Manfred, who, to be honest with you, I think he's kind of brain dead, needs to uh, open his eyes a little bit and say, hey, I'm going to take control of this. This is America's pastime, and i got to prove it. Yeah, and with uh, jumping on to that, you know, getting into, you know, 2020, I think the social media is a huge aspect. Using, you know, phones, other devices other than television is a huge opportunity for Major League Baseball to grab onto. Um, you know, streaming is a huge way that, you know, the younger generation is consuming sports. You know, it's not everyone is sitting down and watching, you know, a full, you know, sporting event from start to finish. They're consuming it in clips and highlights and stuff like that on social media, on Instagram, Twitter, you know, now TikTok. I'm not a TikTok guy. I don't even really understand it, but well, you, you know, that's probably an opportunity. That's probably an opportunity that Major League Baseball has is, you know, making the game accessible through social media and just having that as a huge aspect. So many players, we don't know their personalities. They're just there. They're showing up and playing baseball. There's not a ton of guys that are huge, you know, in the public eye, you know, we talked about it, you know, to an extent the other day through text message, Mike Trout is not a guy that's on television or on, you know, even on television, he's not on social media a lot. He's the greatest baseball player that all, any of us have ever seen and is arguably going to go down as one of the greatest players of all time. So somebody like that needs to step up to become, you know, help the game grow. So you mentioned TikTok. I have to jump in because of the conversation that we had. You're TikTok day. famous. I, uh, I'm getting there. But um, so during the, All- the NBA All-Star game, you know, this is the conversation we had the other day that the NBA does a great job connecting to its younger viewers. NBA All-Star Game, I personally was not a fan of this. I thought it was a little weird. But uh, during the weekend, they had, like, the big TikTok stars on the court with the players making videos. I personally thought it was a little weird. Like I said, um, you know, these girls are young. They're, like, 15 years old, dancing very provocatively. Okay, good, good word. Provocatively on the middle of an NBA court. It was weird, in my opinion. But the younger viewers loved it, and everyone – and the viewership on TikTok went crazy. And I just think that's, like I said, maybe us, that sounds stupid. You know, if Rob Manfred says, hey, Charlie D'Amelio is going to come to MLB's opening day and dance on home plate, I don't, I don't know. But for us, it'd be like that, you sound ridiculous, but the younger crowd would get involved. And that's what we need. Little League is dying, and uh, MLB needs to take care of that. And I think just for live action when it comes to sports, not talking about half-court dances before an All-Star game, I'm talking about during the game. There was something we saw when spring training was happening that I thought should be implemented immediately into regular season games, and that was miking up players. We saw it. Um, Pete Alonzo was great when he was miked up during a spring training game. They had Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant miked up for a Cubs game against the Angels. That was so much fun because, as Scott alluded to, we don't know anything about these baseball players. We know LeBron James. We know what he does. He has all these different shows, executive producer of all these different things. He has that barbershop show where he brings on teammates, uh, opponents, 
rappers, all these things show off their personality. You don't see that with baseball. We, you, they're kind of like, you go there, you play the game nine innings, then you go home. And that's not interesting to the 12, 13, 14 year old kid who would rather see LeBron James and his family with Bronny on TikTok or whatever, Jackson Mahomes and his brother and Patrick Mahomes. Those guys are just, they do a better job, the other sports of reaching out past the game itself. They are really ambassadors for their sport, even though they're not necessarily, they're doing their sport 24 seven. They're showing off their personalities and they're bringing people in. They see them on TikTok and they're like, oh, I'm going to watch their game. Baseball really doesn't do that. And baseball is a very unique sport compared to football, basketball, and hockey because there's a lot of downtime. And there's a lot of times where I'm like, oh, my God, watching the Yes Network, how many times am I going to hear Michael Kay and Paul Neal talk about the same stories from 1997? So if you mic up players like a Brett Gardner or an Aaron Judge and you get them at first base interacting with the umpire, with the, with the first baseman, if they're at second base, the shortstop and the second baseman, that's something that could be really interesting, especially in this kind of a unique season in 2020 where there's going to be no fans. Everything, things are going to be different. The division's going to be different. So baseball, why not mic players up for regular season? I know Ty, um, he kind of thinks a little differently. He's not really big on micing, team, micing players during regular season games that count, but I think it's a great idea. It really could show off the personality of the, of the players. I'm trying to test out my glasses situation here. I don't mean to break, but I have a ring light right in my face and it's like making my eyes water. So we need to figure this out. This is kind of better. Um, no, but to your point. Um, so after we had that conversation the other day, I, I thought about it a little bit and, and kind of, I'm going to backtrack my stance on it because I'm more in agreement with you guys to the point where I think that. That's never happened before, by the way. That's why I did the, the crazy likes, but continue. What's never happened? Me backtracking? Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've done it before. I can admit it. Um Great. It's rare. No, but so I interviewed Jeremy Frank um, for the Caps On podcast, and we had a little bit of a discussion about this. And as I listened to the podcast back, I was hearing his points, and, and he, w- he was making some good statements on the fact that spring training, they did that, and we got good viewership. But he, he was making a point where you don't even need to kind of lay into the conversation between players on the field. You, you can just literally have the sounds of the game and just like the little chatter and stuff like that. Nothing meaningful, nothing game-driven, but just sound, just other stuff like that. And even getting announcers in the booth like John Boy or somebody like Jeremy who really breaks down the analytics of the game, these are just little things that can really improve and, and just give the different type of baseball fans something to look for and, and something to keep coming back for every single time they want to watch baseball. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. And Scott, you would like to see in the dugout in between innings, kind of like how the NBA does it during their national broadcast games when they're at the bench, the, the head coach is mic'd up talking about the play that they're going to run. You'd like to see if you're watching a Phillies game, Joe Girardi talk with his coaches or Joe Girardi talking to Bryce Harper in the dugout about what the plan is, what the scouting report is on a certain relief pitcher that's coming in. Yeah, of course. I have no problem, you know, with it being in between innings in the dugout just having them, you know, mic'd for where they can go back and, you know, play a clip of, you know, a ball being ripped into the gap and a guy, you know, talking it up while he's, you know, running and after he gets to the base. You know, they do it during the All-Star game where, like, Joe Buck talks to a guy live during the inning. I think that's fine for an All-Star game, but on, like, a daily day – on a day-to-day basis, like, a live conversation in-game would bother me. 
but I think, you know, absolutely right. You know, having them just, you know, so we can get those quality, you know, sound bites to play back later a little bit during the game, you know, to see what's happening. You see it all the time, you know, NBA is coming out of a commercial break coming into the fourth quarter. And we see, you know, Steve Kerr, you know, talking about, you know, what the game plan is for the Warriors, you know, going into this fourth quarter. It is a good opportunity, you know, and you're saying, you know, with Girardi and, you know, you know, Bryce Harper, you know, Harper is a guy where he is a personality for baseball. He's not, you know, people have their opinions about him, you know, whether or not he's, you know, worth what he is, but he's an entertaining baseball player. He is, you know, a guy that will go into, you know, and be the face of Major League Baseball. And, you know, people probably do want to hear from him more. I know I would love it because I love him as a player and I love that he's on my team. So, yeah, if, you know, that was an opportunity that, you know, Major League Baseball could take on, you know, that's definitely something that they should do. I actually disagree with the idea of not having a Joe Buck interview style during a game. I think it'd be really cool if Christian Yelich hits a home run after a 10-pitch at-bat in the bottom of the eighth comes out to the right field in the top half of the ninth, and he immediately gets interviewed, breaking down the at-bat that he just had five minutes ago. Yeah, I'm going to so stop you. Rather there. than, rather, rather than waiting 40 minutes no. for, to hear him in now the press in, conference at the end of the game. No, that, now that's the fine line. XFL. That, that turns into the yeah. XFL. We don't need that because then what, what's going to stop them from interviewing him? Bases loaded and he strikes out like that. We don't need that, you know. Yeah, and, and this is where I'm going to do with game. Tyler. I think during the game is too much. Let the guys focus on the game. But you know, same thing as basketball. You know, put it on them. Maybe by the seventh inning, you got some hot hot takes from these guys or hot mics, whatever, from these guys that you could use. Um, but not during the game, talking live back and forth, Michael K. You know, I, I don't need Aaron Judge. You know, head in La La Land because he's trying to tell Michael Kay what his, what was going through his his mind the last at bat. Focus on the game now, and you know, at the end of the day, their job is yes to play baseball first, but it's entertainment second. So that's why I don't mind um, putting the mics on these guys. And by the time, you know, like I said, towards the end of the game, you have some clips, but during live during the game, that's a no for me, dog. Can we dive into that a little bit? Because I think that's a really interesting topic the fine line between they're here to play baseball and they're here to be entertainers. So where I stand on this is they're purely their contract. There's purely there to play baseball at the highest level possible because they do that. They are seen as entertainers to the common people like us. They I've never played in the MLB, never will never spoke to an MLB player about this, but they want to focus on the game. They they want to go win a championship. They don't really, to an extent, care about being an an entertainment piece or or a celebrity. Like, yeah, they're the select few people who kind of separate their focus from the game to kind of being that showman on the field. Not that they don't care, but these guys want to win baseball games. And I think just adding these in-game elements, and like you said, he hits a go-ahead home run in the top of the ninth, goes out in the right field in the bottom half of the ninth and gets interviewed that's the wrong place for that because that's the bottom of the ninth. They just took the lead. They're trying to seal this. They're trying to get a win. You look back at the end in September, October, they missed the playoffs by one game. You can go back to these tiny, tiny, tiny little spots where Christian Yelich, Christian Yelich might've gotten distracted and like they can put the blame on this. And then once you have one player put the blame on this, it's over, then it's over. And, and you don't need that because then you're like, all right, baseball took it too far. And then you have a bigger problem. And, and, that's why it's a whole tough argument. I mean, there's really so, no clear-cut decision. 
I'm going to agree with you to an extent, Ty. Their first priority, without a doubt, is to win baseball games, to win championships, and get a ring. That's what we want to see as fans of the of the team and of the game. That's what you want. It's the best competition. However, at the end of the day, their job is entertainment. It's not. Their job is baseball. The, but hold on. The minute that sports stop becoming entertainment, then it's nothing. So, yes, their job is baseball, without a doubt. But that turns into entertainment. Because if they, didn't, if they weren't signing up to just play ball, I mean, to be entertainment, right? They wouldn't make them do interviews after the game. And if they didn't make them, I tell you, not even some of these guys. Because that, that's why. a different story. But that's entertainment. That's part of the entertainment. But exactly. But th- that's the fine line that I'm trying to draw here is from the first pitch of the game to the last pitch of the game, there should be no distraction. All, their job is to play baseball. Right. No, I agree with that. But I'm Anything, saying that they need to be open to change if they want to continue to make the millions and millions of dollars that they're making. If you look, but I don't think that's team, true. But, but they have to all. be. Where, where is the money coming from then? If you look the, at a team the, like the, the money's Marlins, not an issue. Look at, no, but it is. That's a market issue. That's a market no, issue. That's not. not that's not a league issue. I'm not saying it's a league issue. The okay, Yankees don't have any this? problems paying salaries, but you look at you a team like the Royals. Pay, you know who has a problem paying salaries is the New York Mets. What? They really don't, though. They just don't no, shell out money. But why? There's, that's why? an ownership issue. It's an ownership okay, problem. It's not that they don't have the money. The Wilpons have deep, deep, deep pockets. It's the willing. It's the 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 fact that they're not willing to spend the money. That's it. It's not that they don't have it. You they do you can't, have you can't make that point. Every year. They are losing money as a franchise. The Wilpons have money, yes, but that's because they're wealthy people. But the Mets are losing money every year, which is why they – No, I don't know for sure that a New York market team is losing money. I don't think they're losing money. I'm telling you they're they're not losing money. They don't have a negative bottom line. They don't do it. It's not – they don't. I'm sorry, they don't. And, and, And we shouldn't be claiming that because it's not true. No I'm, baseball team is losing money. No, no major league Marlins baseball team are mo- losing money every year. That I, don't, I, know I still fact. don't buy that. I know that for a fact. There was an interview when Jeter bought the team, and he said that, or maybe a year after he bought the team, and he said we have been losing money every year, and that's why we needed to trade Stan. They are in the red every year. That's one especially team in a bad, bad market for baseball. Well, why are they in a bad market? It's Florida. Florida is a vacation state. How many people living in Miami do you have that are diehard Marlins fans living there year round? Because you know why? It's not entertaining. In the summer, though, no, like, people I, I are mean, down there, but you you're there. not going to buy season tickets when you're only there for vacation or to live there for the summer or the winter, rather. There are people, plenty are there for the people winter. who live in Miami full time. Exactly, but it's not a market like New York or L.A. I'm not comparing it to New York or L.A. But if you, you look, look at, a team at like, like the, look at a team like the Royals, they're making money. They were just in a World Series a few years ago. But they're still considered a small market team. That's the I'm thing. not saying they're not. But you look at Miami. You can't use that argument that it's a bad spot because the Heat draw well. But the That's people that do team. live there live there in the winter. They come back home for the summer when summer is warm. And and Miami's mostly a vacation spot. I would say like yes, they do have a population. But when you're looking for a fan base, you need loyal people. Like I would say that. A team like Milwaukee, who's in the middle of the north up there, like they just they, they have people from Milwaukee that are living in Milwaukee full time. 
that are diehard so Brewers fans, and they can. They're entertaining they haven't, to watch. But they have. You're talking about this year, though. Even oh, in mean, years past, they have fans that are showing up to their games. Yeah, in years past, they've been bad, but the entertainment aspect is still there. They've had aspects exactly. on that team. Fine, but we're talking about a matter of money here and, and filling a stadium in I terms of profit, profitability. But at the end of the day... The huge part... Go ahead, Cash. At the end of the day, it's I was just gonna say, Now you go. And I was going to say, a huge population of you know South Florida is, was against that former ownership group because they took a whole lot of taxpayer money to build that stadium. And they were not pleased for that to happen. So I think a lot of people got turned off by that ownership group. Now it's owned by Jeter. He's had to completely, you know, rebuild that franchise and start from scratch. You know what? Maybe in the future, you know, they have a chance, but we don't know. There's a whole combination of things. But, you know, the, one of the things you've been talking about a lot is entertainment and that line. We watched, all four of us watched the World Baseball Classic in 2017. When those players are out there representing their country, they were having so much fun playing the game of baseball and just having fun. And, and that was so entertaining to me. But the Major League Baseball has this such old school mentality where there's all these rules, unwritten rules that, you know, if a player, you know, pimps a home run or a pitcher gets excited after a strikeout, it automatically means that we have to go fight each other. Like, why so can't wanna, baseball players make a point on that. just get over it and just play for fun? And that's the entertainment. I want to make a point on that because I agree. Last year in the playoffs, Ronald Acuna uh, pimped a home run in the bottom of the ninth inning. Uh, the Braves are down. I want to say five runs in the ninth inning. He came back and they brought him with. He brought him to within one with a three-run shot, um, and he pimped a home run. And whoever was pitching for the Cardinals, I want to say it was Michael Waka. Um, and I, I could be wrong on that, but I want to say it was Michael Waka. He absolutely went off. On, uh, it was Carlos Martinez. That's thank you. Carlos Martinez, yeah. he went crazy and he's like, you don't disrespect me. I'm a veteran in this league. You're too young to be doing that. I'm sorry. I'm going to disagree full wholeheartedly. Okay. He hits a home run of that magnitude. If I hit that home run, if they let me ride a freaking horse around the bases, I would have rode a horse around the bases. I would have went crazy. I would have run around with my pants off. I don't care. He was excited. He don't have to be excited. He's a 21 year old kid who just a huge home run, possibly saving their season. They ended up losing. But possibly saving their season, and you're going to complain? You little bitch, get off the mound. Yeah. And, and that's that, – go ahead, Glenn. And the same thing happened in the World Series with Bregman and Soto trading home runs and carrying the bat all the way to first base until they reached first base. That's something you never see before. The old adage is you just drop the bat, put your head down, run around the bases. That's not the way it is anymore. And we see it a lot in the NFL. We see the touchdown dances. We see the benches go crazy after a dunk of the NBA. Baseball needs something like that. So if it's a home run, if it's pimping it, running around with the bat the entire way around the diamond, then so be it. I think, uh, it's, I think it's that's a little far. Baseball. What, take the whole bat around? Yeah. Well, well, yeah, that might be a little too far but as, because you could use it as a weapon at some point. But, it's, but there needs to be some more fun in baseball than there has been in the last decade and a half. It's it, kind of like baseball is kind of like a decade behind all the other sports in terms of make baseball fun, fun again. What, what, what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. Yeah, I used to be really against that, to be completely honest. Like, 
I used to be very straight edge. Baseball should be played very traditionally. But now that the conversation has opened up to the point where they're trying to find ways to expand the game, I feel like because I'm against that mic up the player during the game, I'm more open to finding other ways to improve the game. And with social media being the way it is today, and I, I feel like I bring every point back to social media because it's just that much of a prominent thing in our society today. Because like you said, Acuna does that bat flip. That is on Twitter within seconds. People need to see that. If you're not watching the game, but you happen to be scrolling Twitter, you'll see that. And like that, that's what will bring people to the game. And I completely agree on that because there's really no consequence with that other than hurting someone's feelings. And there's so much more of an upside to flipping your bat than there is a downside. And, and there's really just nothing wrong with it. And I think that definitely has a place in baseball today. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. Like, I mean, obviously if, you know, Acuna hits that home run and he points and stares at, you know, Carlos Martinez. Yeah. Martinez probably has a, a right to get upset, but if it's a situation where Acuna hits that bomb, he turns to his bench, flips his bat, and, like, celebrates with his teammates, there is zero purpose for a pitcher to then walk off the mound and, like, stalk him around the bases and yell at him. Like, you see it all the time. You know, Madison Bumgarner is a huge proponent of that. You know, we saw the Max Muncy uh, home run from last year where he hit it into the bay in San Francisco. Bumgarner throws a hissy fit. And after the game, Max Muncy says, if you don't like it, then go fish it out of the ocean. Like, that, there was zero reason for Bumgarner to get angry in that situation because Muncy hit a home run and kind of watched it a little bit. Like, exactly. admire your work. Like, an artist will paint something and they admire what they did. You know, a musician will write a song and they admire what they did. A baseball player hits a home run 500 feet and they just have to put their head down and act like they've been there before. Let them have some fun. And it's kind of a double standard, guys, with pitching and hitting. If there's a huge strikeout, we've seen it. Every pitcher's done it. We've seen uh, fresh off my mind when I was a kid. I remember Jobber Chamberlain twirling. Yeah, but that's where I'm going to stop you. That's okay, but tipping a home run isn't. Well, that's kind of a so. But when Jabba first started doing that, it was not okay. It was a huge deal. It was, and he was like kind of one of the first ones to do it. But, but when as he the did, last, as the last ten fifteen years have gone on since we first saw Jabba do it, it's been a lot more common and accessible. I feel for a pitcher right. doing and that. Since Jose Bautista, and since Jose Bautista did his bat flip, it's been more common to see a player do it. There are just some pitchers who take exception, like Carlos Martinez, um, who don't like it, or Madison Bumgarner, who don't like it. If you don't like it, then don't throw the pitch. I and mean, the reason why I feel like it's it's more acceptable and you don't see a lot of problems with pitchers doing it because the pitcher has the ball in his hand. The batter can't just throw the bat at the mound. We've seen, I guess we've seen it before, but it's you happened. can't just throw It's happened, but it's more, but the pitcher has the ball in his hand. He controls the game. So if he doesn't like it, he has, the wherewithal to do something about it and throw at someone. The batter really is a defenseless uh, person when he's in the box. You really can't go at the pitcher unless something comes at him. So that's why I feel like pitching a fist bump off the mound is much more common and acceptable than a bat toss or 
running around the bases with the bat or showing up the pitcher, but everybody needs be, to be on the same page with the let the kids play movement. The pitchers need to be on board. The hitters need to be on board. And I feel like the pitchers aren't because the pitchers are very sensitive. They don't want to like to get embarrassed. They're already embarrassed enough when somebody throw, goes 500 feet to right field. It, it needs to be widely accepted from every aspect of the game that this is just the way it's going to be now. Yeah. I mean, and there's a fine line between, celebrating and showing your emotion and then disrespect kind of like what cash was saying before with Acuna, like say he pointed at Carlos Martinez and kind of just like gave him like one of these, like that's like not okay. But if you just flip your bat, turn to your team, get them pumped, which could impact the rest of the game for your team. There's nothing wrong with that. Like there's absolutely going back to the entertainment aspect. Wouldn't a little, disrespect and animosity be welcomed in sports i mean no, we see so, it all the time everyone's buddy buddy one of the most iconic things in sports is that famous or infamous ai uh step over or whatever it was in the finals in 2001 i mean well, that's disrespectful series that's disrespectful but, but that's cool and that's been replayed it's Probably legendary the most memorable thing of, the most memorable thing of that nba finals was the step over that ai did we saw it years later when odell beckham stepped over josh norman after a big touchdown disrespect like that while it's what it is not respectful it, it's fun and that's something kids and it's fun when think. a legend it's fun when a legend like ai does it that's okay exactly because that's his everybody persona flo- everybody flocks to the tv when there's a bench clearing brawl in baseball i mean i'm not i'm not advocating for that to happen every game but there needs to be some animosity everyone's so buddy buddy now in sports Everybody knows each other. Everybody follows each other on Instagram. Everybody goes on vacation with each other in the offseason. I want to see a little bit more animosity between players. I, miss I don't know how we've and I mean, you can't, you can't artificially yeah, happen, but I, it's a lot less in baseball than I feel in basketball and football. It's more, those sports are and, more physical, but I like when Max Muncy and Bumgarner go at it. Going off of that, like, I think that – like, we don't know. I feel like baseball might be returning to that because we kind of have lost sight of it and it's gotten a little bit kind of swept under the rug. But the Astros cheating scandal really kind of struck a nerve with a lot of people, pretty much everybody you're exact, who you're exactly right. not I mean, with when the Astros fans. Ever, when has baseball ever been more popular in February than when every team was sounding off against the Astros? Yeah, and we haven't seen it yet, though. We haven't had off. an opportunity. Mike Trout, Mike Trout, who says nothing ever, went off on the Astros. I mean, that really was interesting to a lot of people who aren't necessarily baseball fans. They wanted to hear what people had to say about the Astros. So that level of hatred, hatred's never good, but in terms of things like this, maybe a little hatred is welcome in the sport. Yeah. It's such a technical, like finesse driven game to the point where hitting a baseball is the hardest thing to do in sports. And if you can square up like back to the Muncie and Bumgarner point, if you can square up, Madison Bumgarner, one of the best pitchers in the game, and take him into McCovey's Cove, which is a legendary thing in itself. That is like a massive, like movie moment. Like you should be able to put that on display. I I absolutely agree. I mean, I think going continuing off of the you know animosity for each other, we've lost those rivalries because these guys come up together. You know, I mean. AAU culture for basketball, everybody's buddy, buddy, you know, club baseball, you know, people are friends with each other. They know each other. They've grown up with each other, you know, Yankees, Red Sox, nowhere close to being what that rivalry was back in the early two thousands. 
when, you know, Jeter, A-Rod going up against Ortiz and Ramirez. And, like, that's that's the key. The Giants and the Dodgers, I think there's still a pretty solid rivalry there. It's not as publicized. Cubs-Cardinals is that way. I mean, the Phillies and the Mets. But, like, I only hate the Mets because I've just known I'm supposed to hate the Mets. I don't really have a reason to hate the Mets. There's never been really anything to happen in my lifetime of the Phillies and Mets going against each other where I should be like, oh, let me point out that moment where it's like, oh, yeah, that's the reason why I hate yeah, the Mets. Yeah, you don't really have that, like, A-Rod and Veritech moment. No, not at all. My, I mean, the John big, nothing. Yeah. The, I would say the pinnacle of Phillies-Mets rivalry is 07, where going into the season, Jimmy Rollins says, you know, we're the team to beat in the NL East. The Mets have been the favorite for the last couple of years. Um, you know, we go out with 17 games left in the season, seven and a half back, come back and, you know, take that division away from the Mets. I think that's the pinnacle of, you know, the Mets-Phillies rivalry during my lifetime as a Phillies fan. Because, you know, since the Phillies won that World Series in 08, up until last year, the Mets have absolutely owned the Phillies. Just they've beaten us every single year. And, like, I don't like that, but, like, there's no, that's not a reason to be sitting here and hating on another team. So, I mean, I guess I don't even know where my point's gotten to at this point. But, you know, I feel like if baseball is going to have rivalries, it needs to be, you know, the Yankees and the Red Sox leading that. Should we pivot into the reopen plan? Kind of yeah. give the listeners a little kind of snippet yeah. of, of the possibilities. Well, today was big news. Um, well, by the time you guys are listening to this or watching this, um, we do have a simulcast now. When we were on the radio show, we used to joke all the time because it was a strict radio show at the uh, studio, uh, studio at Monmouth University. And we'd always be like, oh, if you're watching the simulcast, like if one of us was doing something, now we have one. So it's exciting. But I back to my point. We'd watch videos on YouTube during the radio show and talk about it. And we'd say, well, if you're listening out to the simulcast, you can – you can yeah, it. I mean, now we have the capability of it. Now we have it. But, I mean, anyways, so I, I touched on the Michael Kay and Scott Boris interview today. Um, the, the plan to reopen, um, Glenn, do you want to explain that a little bit? Well, the plan to reopen, the newest one is the idea of having all the, uh, and I explained this when we first got on the air, um, three divisions, so there's no leagues anymore. It's American League and National League. There'll be three divisions, East, West, Central. Um, 10 teams per division. I don't have the list right in front of me. I'm going to turn it, turn on my iPad. I, but I do have it. Okay. So you it's, can go it's basically the East teams, the central teams and the West teams, just going by a minor mix. So what's, up, right? the easiest, what's the easiest way you can drive there. You can take a bus there. They want to just limit the amount of travel as much as possible exactly. with the, with the pandemic. So Scott, if you want to read off the divisions. Sure, of course. So in the, uh, this new Eastern proposed division, you know, you have Yankees and Mets, Red Sox, Washington Nationals, the Orioles, the Phillies, Pittsburgh Pirates, Toronto Blue Jays, Tampa Bay Rays, and the Miami Marlins. So moving out of that Eastern division is the Atlanta Braves. They move into the Central division, being paired up with the Chicago Cubs and the White Sox, the Brewers, Cardinals, Royals, Cincinnati Reds, Sorry, I had no idea what was going on there. The Colorado Rockies, oh, I am now all over the place. You messed me up there, Cash. I'm so, so we got sorry. the Brewers, Cardinals, Royals, Reds, Indians, Twins, Braves, and Tigers in that central division. And then as you see on the screen here, 
Dodgers, Angels, Giants, Athletics, Padres, Diamondbacks, Rockies, Rangers, Astros, and Mariners in that Western division. So it does, you know, combines mainly the Eastern, uh, Western, and Central divisions. We do have a little bit of movement. Um, I think it's really only the Braves have been moved out of the division, and that's just, you know, geography. That's really – I'm interested to see if there was a way to do – break it up into four and have a South division. You can start with the Braves and the two Miami teams. You could probably put the Texas teams in there as well. I wonder if they – Yeah, I I mean – for me, as a Phillies fan, I absolutely hate this because I don't want to have to play, you know, the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Nationals a lot. Those are three teams that are probably better than the Phillies right now. Um, yes. I know for my, my dad, he's missed watching the Phillies play the Pirates. Growing up for him, that was a huge rivalry, you know, Phillies-Pirates. Um, he hates playing the Marlins. Um, but, you know, these divisions, you know, do propose an opportunity to limit the travel, um, you know, keep the players as safe as possible. It'd be and they would only to see play, how it plays out. It would be only divisional matchups, so they would never be cross-divisional games. Until the playoffs. Until the playoffs. And yeah. speaking of the playoffs, they were talking about expanding the playoffs from 10 to, like, 14 teams. So that would be four teams from each division and then two more wild cards, I assume. Yeah, that would so, get you the four teams. So the major roadblocks, I want to kind of, I took some notes as I was watching um, the Michael K show before and Boris was on some of the main kind of concerns and what they're trying to iron out now. It's well, and stuff, something they're being, they're considering would be the age of players along with coaches, trainers, and just essential staff that is needed to get the league running. So players aren't necessarily an issue and age because at the most a player will be, 41, 42 years old. Now, not saying that they are completely immune to catching the virus or, I mean, at, at the worst, mortality. And that, and that was a big point of Boris's. He's like, mortality is really the end-all, be-all for this. And, and they're looking at the leagues over in Asia right now that are starting to kick back up as kind of like a leading indicator just to really kind of go on with because they're weeks ahead. They got the virus before us. Now we have the virus. They're now opening up, and we're now op- we're we're getting ready to open up. But but they're 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 weeks ahead. Age is not necessarily so much of a factor with this, because I mean umpires are also. But Boris made a good point to the point where they, the league is getting younger to the like where stars are are in their early twenties. They're, they're in their 30s, and they're not – unless they have underlying conditions, which is completely possible. But then he pivoted to say that these players are going to be under medical scrutiny before they play, during, and after the game. They are going to be surrounded by the team's medical doctors at all times, and, and they're, not, they're not going to take an eye off of them. So if there are any concerns with that, Boris said that that part is settled. And the big thing is going to be with testing and kind of the optic of – if tests aren't available to the public, how is it going to look if they're allocating tests just to open up sports leagues and kind of saying, Hey, screw you public. Like you guys can't get this. So they were the one thing that they were juggling back and forth was if the league got and secured tests for every single player, they would also purchase five more tests for every player tested and release them to the public for free. Like basically cover the cost as saying like, Yes, we know we're being tested first, 
but we're also going to help out society by having tests more readily available for people when that's not necessarily the case right now. And another thing that was talked about in that interview was the idea of money and how money is going to drive this above everything else. There's a lot of teams that rely on gate on their revenue from ticket sales. The Yankees, the Mets, the Phillies, the Red Sox, they don't have that problem. They have lucrative TV contracts and their merchandise sales and everything in between is through the roof. They'll never have to worry about dollars, but you get a team like the Kansas city Royals, the Oakland athletics, the Tampa Bay Rays, they rely on the gate in terms of the Rays. It might not be a lot of gate, but it's gate nonetheless. And without that revenue, they might just not see a point of playing because they just don't have the resources to pay the players. And that brings up the other argument is how are these players going to get paid? Are they going to get paid um, hundred cents to a dollar or are they going to have to take a pay cut? So they already took a 30 to 50% pay cut, I believe. Um, but Boris said that that was under the impression that a 162 game season was going to happen. Now, obviously that's not even in the realm of possibility right now. I mean, it is, but it's, it's not likely. And he said, he's like, if that prearranged agreement between the players association, the umpires and the league is no longer valid, they're going to rip it up and they're going to come up with a new, a new argument and a new contract. So yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And it's really dangerous and catch me one second. It's really dangerous because players are going to want to get paid regardless. Um, And they're not going to be willing to take a pay cut for billion dollar owners. And it, it could be very, very, very scary if there gets into a bidding war between the Players Association and baseball. At the end of the day, these guys want to play more than anything right now. And I think that I think that they're willing to take a pay cut. I think they're going to want to get paid. I mean, you saw it in 1994. There's a strike. Baseball is no stranger to work stoppages. And it'd be sad yeah. if it was because of this pandemic and about money. But at the end of the day, players are going to want to make the money. They're going to want to feed their families. They signed these mega contracts. They're going to want to feed their families. For a reason. They can't afford to feed, feed their, their families. families. Feed their families. We're not, we're not, you know what I mean? It's expression. Cash, but we're, we're not talking about the Mike Trouts and the Bryce Harpers of the world. We're talking about the guys that are on league and minimum what do you do contracts with the minor league too? who are used to getting $550,000 a year. Now, at a, at a 50% pay cut, that is a significant cut. Like, not that that $250,000 a year can't – are you guys still there? I feel like I'm being cut in and out right now. All right, hold on. That? All right, start again. Significant. Significant. So, these guys are – used to making say say you let's take a league minimum player for example these guys are used to making like 550 to $600,000 a year they're living under that salary and they're comfortable with that their bills are set up their mortgage is set up to uh, have that covered it's not even just saying that at $300,000 assuming a 50% pay cut that they can't put food on the table because they can but the bills aren't getting cut by 30 to 50% so it's just the fact that their means are so adjusted that arguably that is a bigger hit to one of those players than it is to the common person taking a 30 to 50% pay cut. I mean, we've brought up I, Trout I, I see a what couple times. I, I see what you're saying, but, and I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you, but what I'm going to say is now, I guess, towards the players is that everybody's struggling. There is not – there are very few people on this planet right now who just don't really care that this is going on money-wise. Everybody's struggling. Most of this group chat got laid off. Or most of this, I'm sorry, podcast got laid off. Everyone's struggling. So, yeah, 
maybe they do have to take a pay cut. Maybe that's something they have to deal with because everyone in the entire world is struggling because of what's going on. And if they have to take a pay cut of 50% from 300,000, I'm sorry, I don't feel that bad. I get that they're used to living in a certain way. I totally get it, and I'm not disagreeing with that. But what I'm saying is they need to make an adjustment along with everybody else if they want to continue to get paid. Because I'm telling you something right now, there are a lot of players in minor league baseball who would play for free if these guys just don't want to play. It's true, but I don't think it's and necessarily that, even a money aspect. I think it's more so the fact that these players are more concerned about the health risks. Is it really the worth risk- the pay cut if they're going to go out and they're going to go, whether this is a season where they play at their home stadiums or they have to get shipped to Arizona and live there for four months away from their families, is that pay cut? Not even for the mega contract guys, but for the, for the average player and the average salary. Is it worth it for them to – upstart their lives, move to Arizona in a bubble for three to four months and play so and I have a not be with their family. I have a question. If the MLB decided to do this and it's not worth it for them, then what do they do? Then there's right? no season. No, then those guys just don't play. Because I'm telling you right now, and I'm not saying this because I want to see baseball back. I'm not saying it because I'm biased. I'm saying this pure money-wise. Major League Baseball isn't going to stop a season for the lower-level guys who are not getting paid. They're going to say, fine, we're going to bring up guys in minor league baseball who are willing to take that money, who are it's willing not, to take that not chance. True. It's not true. I, I don't agree. This is, too much of a, this is too much of a risk for MLB to say we're going to just skip the whole season. There's no way they're going to do that. It's I'm not sorry. a risk. It, health is the most important factor in this and entire I'm not thing. It's not. The economics it's not. are oh, – every time you hear about this reopening process, the economics is the last – thing that you hear it's the last bullet point on the page everything is but it's also really important logistics the safety of players and then the economics of it which is really awesome to see to be completely honest with you because you see these major sports leagues that are so driven on bringing in these massive exorbitant amount of monies but now where the country really has to come together you're seeing where they're putting health first and I really think if this isn't possible, they will cancel. Like today, we saw the NBA canceled the draft and the combine. Like they pushed it back. Yeah, but they, they're not afraid to push it back. But you can only push baseball back so far because then you get into the winter and you only have so many dome stadiums. I, and I'm not disagreeing with that at all. And, and that's not my point here. My point isn't to risk all the players' health. That's not what I'm trying to get at. What I'm saying is if they can guarantee health, right, which it sounds like that's what their goal is, is to put them in a bubble, right? Then if that's not something that these guys want to do, then they got there are people who are willing to do it. There are minor league players who are in triple A right now who are willing to do it. And Major League Baseball does have an issue because a guy like Mike Trout has come out and said, I don't want to do that. Mainly it's because his wife is pregnant and about to have, you know, their first child. So that's a huge moment for them. But he is a guy that has come out and said, I don't want to move to Arizona and live in a hotel for four months without my family. Zach Wheeler, the Phillies' newest, you know, pitching, uh, you know, pitcher, has said, I don't want to go live in Arizona or live in Florida, you know, by myself for, you know, four months. I'm pretty sure Clayton Kershaw has done the same thing. So There's big-name guys that have come out and said no. Glenn mentioned that that wasn't really on the table anymore. No, everything's on the table. The newest proposal is what we're talking about with the 30 stadiums and the divisions. But also on the table, and very much so, is the Arizona plan, where it's just Arizona. I mean, 
Look, it's going to be really interesting when this comes out, and we're running out of time here. We got ten more to go, just to point that out. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be very interesting to see how this ends up playing out. In I would assume in the next week, week and a half, two weeks. Yeah, they're going to have to figure out a plan because you know these guys are going to have to go back to spring training to get themselves prepared again. Pitchers are going to have to get into their throwing programs again. Batters are going to have to, you know, get used to seeing live pitching again. It's an adjustment. We've all played baseball. We've all had, you know, a different offseason, you know, where it does come back. It does take a little time to get, you know, ramped up, ready to go again. You know, the Phillies couldn't afford to, you know, have Aaron Nola go out there on this proposed, you know, possible opening day of, you know, July 2nd and have him get injured on the first day because he hasn't had enough time to prepare. There, there needs to be this adjustment period for these players to get prepared to play again. So there does need to be a plan, you know, figured out sometime soon. And I, I don't know if we're going to get to that point. And, you know, I, I think there is a chance that, you know, baseball is in danger. I hope that isn't, you know, the situation. But I think it is, you know, still a possibility. And at the end of the day, the most important thing is the testing. There has to be enough testing for – the masses for society before we even think about opening any sports leagues. So at the end of the day, we're talking about money. Money is the last obstacle, the last hurdle before there is a baseball season, because at the end of the day, it's the health that's the most important thing. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's not necessarily going to be like a, it's not going to be on a case by case basis. And that's why you have the MLBPA kind of negotiating these things and dealing with the league directly. And they've already been coming to agreements on the stuff. They agreed to the 30 to 50, 30 to 50% pay cut. I got to imagine when the time comes and if there is a concrete plan to reopen, then they're going to be able to come to that agreement no matter what it is. Cash, you got anything? Uh, no, I mean, I, I agree with Ty. I think that, yeah, it's, a, it's an adjustment adjustment for everybody, but they will agree. It, it, if they have the whole plan figured out, I mean, there aren't going to be a lot of guys who disagree because they think a fake cut. Okay, moving on. Um, a couple of things I wanted to talk about before we sign off. A couple of cancellations that happened in baseball, both the Hall of Fame induction. So Larry Walker and Derek Jeter are going to have to wait another year before that. That was supposed to be in June, I believe. And the Little League World Series was canceled. So a little, uh, little activity to end the last segment. Scale of 1 to 10 on each in terms of disappointment. For what? For both of them. Both of them. Both. The cancellation of the Little League World Series and the Hall of Fame ceremony? Yeah. Uh, Little League World Series, I'm more upset about. Um, I would give that one a – I'll give that like a solid five, six. And, and I don't really mind necessarily that the Hall of Fame induction ceremony got pushed back because under these conditions, say they did it remotely – I've been planning to go to Derek Jeter's ceremony for a while. So now that it gets pushed back a year, I'm kind of okay with that. It sucks for them. If I were in their shoes and I was kind of building up months before getting ready to get inducted, kind of envisioning how that day was, is going to be like, you've been thinking about it your whole life. That sucks. But as a fan and somebody who kind of wants to see that with their own two eyes, I'm, I'm going to give that maybe like a one. I'm not really too upset about it. Can I give hall of fame induction a, a zero? Oh, okay. All right. No, and it's not. It's not because Jeter. It's not that at all. I literally don't care any time, any year. Like, 
And maybe that's because the guys I grew up, you know, watching and loving haven't gotten to that point. And you know what? Probably none of them will get there. Chase Utley has the best chance to get there, but even him, a he's a banner? long shot. I would say so. He's a long shot. Who do you think is better, Chase Utley or Larry Walker? Larry Walker. Larry Walker has has had the be- had the better career. I love Chase Utley more than anything. Larry Walker had the better career. Look at this guy's number. Do you think Roy Halladay is a Hall of Famer? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah but he's he's not going to be making a speech. What he? Well, well, he's already in. Well, I'm sure his wife will make a speech. Is he in already? Yeah, she already did. He got in last year. He got in last oh, year. Oh, I'm I'm out of it. I was trying to think. I first Philly in my mind. I know Ryan Howard didn't play long enough. He got hurt. No, Cash. What are your ratings? He, he, um, so. I'm going to start with the Little League World Series. I'm not oh, a big fan of it. Oh, oh, true. We didn't get Scott I also League. don't really care about the Little League World Series that much. I'll give it a five, though. It is good entertainment towards the end of the summer. I know my grandmother loves watching it. I like watching with her sometimes, but I don't go out of my way to, uh, you know, watch the Little League World Series. Yeah, Little League World Series, I'm not a huge fan of, to be honest with you. But, however, I will, I will give it a 10 because I feel bad for the kids who would have played who are next year will be aged out. Uh, that's tough. That's tough, and that's not something they'll get back. And that's tough for the College World Series and all the high school seniors as well. Right. Yeah, so uh, that's tough. So I, I give that a 10. And Hall of Fame, hot take, I hate it. I, I hate it. I you like the never, NFL Hall of Fame. No. I just simply don't care. I've watched one Hall of Fame speech, and that was MLB-wise, and that was Mariano. That was the first one I ever watched. The next one I'll ever watch is Jeter, and I don't know. Maybe the next one I watch is Glaber. Like, I don't know. I, I just <laughs> Damn right, I'm going to be at the Glaber one. I'll be, like, 45 I, years old, but I'll be at the Glaber ceremony. I truly just don't care. I mean, I watched the Strahan one when he got inducted, but I would have watched and cried at the Kobe one when he, got, when he, when he would have gotten inducted. But to me, it's, it's part of the past, and I, I don't care. And – Maybe that's just me being cruel, but right. I, I am Quickly happy that Judah will be able to give a speech in person next year, which I will watch. But all right, quickly for me, obviously it's a ten for the Hall of Fame for me because I was I was so amped for Jeter because obviously Jeter's my guy, and for the Little League World Series, I was gonna go like three or two because I'm not a big Little League World Series guy. But Cash, you actually changed my mind because now I feel bad for the kids who don't get that chance, and it was a really cool chance. Uh, my brother got pretty far in that tournament. He made he hit a home run, didn't he? He hit a home run on ESPN. That was a fun thing. <laughs> he hit a home run on ESPN. So, what did you do on ESPN? I, I held up a sign that said, go Nick. <laughs> so I, am, I, 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 do, uh, I do feel bad for the kids. So I'll bump it up to a six. From a three to a six for the kids. The kids only. But the other kids. than that, I'm really not into the Little League World Series because I'd rather just watch professional baseball. So that'll just about do it for the first installment of the Base Hit Ball 4 podcast presented by Caps on Sports. You can follow us on Twitter at Base Hit Ball 4 with that underscore, with for Scott Roswald, Alex Cashman, and Tyler Blumenstick, I'm Glenn Zegers, and we'll see you next week.